everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. We know all of the challenges that come with starting a business between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company. We wake up and hustle every day. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with Bethany Howard, author of Permission Granted, blogger and motivational speaker. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts. All right, Dana, let's get started. So I, well, one, there were like so many things, so much, so much. It's like therapy. but let's start with like a softball. What do you think is a book that I would write? What would it be about? First of all, I'd like to say, I feel like this is a dangerous question and could <laughs> it's entrapment land us in therapy systems and processes, how to live your best life most efficiently. <laughs> it's so boring, but probably true. <laughs> I mean, maybe I am a boring person, but I do like systems and processes. I know. This is efficient. A to B to C. Then, spoiler alert, D. <laughs> okay. Alert, okay. Hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yes, I'm laughing, but your book would be purely about how to be a smartass. <laughs> what? <laughs> how to be a smartass and still have friends. Yeah. <laughs> But do you have friends? I don't know. No. <laughs> no. I don't know. I, I do. I I feel like, honestly, to be truthful, to not be silly for a minute about it, okay. but I think you would write a book actually kind of similar to Bethany because I think you're all about owning who you are Yeah. and saying, this is me, either suck it up and be my friend or I don't care. <laughs> like, either way, I don't care. Just Clearly, Dana care. has a future in like copyright I title we know making. <laughs> Be my friend or suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. It's true. By Courtney Hopper. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh my goodness. Whew. I felt like there were so many nuggets. And so actually, st- so backstory, I'm, I met Bethany from Mops. She was a Mops mom. Which is mother of the preschooler. It had to have been right around when I had Henry. So it was like the last few years I was in Mops. I always enjoyed her. She was a really nice person and whatnot. So we just, we were friends on Facebook. We were friends on Instagram. And all of a sudden I saw her posting these things with the hashtag permission granted. So I started following her more closely and she would post these poems that were just so poignant. Yeah. A poignant at the time. Definitely. And I always thought she was a great writer, but I feel like she had so many amazing things and things to think about. It's kind yeah, of overwhelming I, in like the 30 minutes we chatted. Yeah, I know. I feel like it could have gone on for a lot longer. Like I was like, I could add this and this, but then I was like, that's not the podcast brand. Okay. Permission not granted. Yeah. No permission. <laughs> so yeah, no, I th- I felt like, I love that she's so relatable, like as a, what I consider a normal human doing what we consider abnormal things. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of my thought, our thought behind Hustle and Gather is just everyday entrepreneurs, like everyday people 
doing what everyday people can do yeah. that some would view extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Some might just seem ordinary. I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah, I love that. I mean, I just like, I like that. I like how relatable she is. Mm-hmm. Like there is so much in that that I have felt like especially like taking up all aspects of your space. Oh. I told somebody recently, I was like, I am tired of living or just experiencing one aspect of my life, which is motherhood and 2020. Like I'm over this aspect. I have like explored it exhaustively in 2020 and I'm ready to like get back to the other aspects of who I am because it felt very like mono aspected. I personally feel like that like about work in the past in 2020. Like I feel like that's all I've done is like eat and breathe and stress over work over like making right choices and and it's not even about like a time commitment because I feel like I've had more time this year like I've had more time at home I have been working on the weekends I can normally do but I feel like that's all I am and that's the only thing I can talk about to anybody I can't even have a a conversation about anything else because all I'm talking all I'm thinking about is freaking pandemic and how it's destroyed or it's trying to destroy has not destroyed everything we've worked for yeah Interesting. Yeah. But I don't, I haven't been the main caretaker of our children during this pandemic. That's totally been my husband. Yeah. No, I, I, but I totally relate to that. No, I really, so she was, when she was talking about like imposter syndrome and when she got over as I kind of, when she pursued who she was and she was talking about the lies that we tell ourselves, like I wrote down, why are we so mean to ourselves? And then it got me thinking, what? are the lies that I've told myself. What are the lies that you've told yourself? Oh, there's been so many. I think I think when I was younger, I told myself that I wasn't worthy of like being like truly loved. Like and a part of that Jury's out. <laughs> I'm oh, just joking. I am Dana's older sister. She is. <laughs> you cannot tell. But I think part of it's being a middle child and just being forgotten a lot of the times that it kind of told me that I wasn't worth being remembered. So therefore I wasn't worth being loved. Like I was terrified that I would never get married one day ever. And Dana's defense, we did all forget her 18th birthday. Literally all of us forgot her 18th birthday. It was very depressing. (laughs) It was. So I think that, I think in business, I told myself that I didn't know what I was doing. Like that was a lie that I was just like, whenever someone would say something, you would just be like, oh yeah, I mean, it was Courtney's idea. And although it was Courtney's idea, I feel like we were successful because we were together. And then I feel like that I have anything worthy to say. That's a lie I've told myself for years and I still struggle with that Me lie. Me too. Like I, I have nothing worth that. saying. Yeah, I struggle with like, even on, not like, I mean, we don't handle our Instagram for anything but our own personal account now. And even on my personal account, when I feel like I've been given like maybe an epiphany that will help the world or maybe it won't or be able to reach one person, I have no idea I'm still like gun shy to put it up there, even though it's like, what's my followers? Like 180 people or something. Like, why would I care about what I'm putting up for 180 people? Like, why am I thinking so much about this? You know, like just stick it up there. And who cares if it resonates with some and someone else is like, oh, that's bullshit. But I feel like what it comes down to is that you feel like I didn't go to school to be like a thought coach or like a life coach, motivational, whatever. So I think, who am I to say or to speak into like what my truth is? But at the end of the day, it's just my truth, right? And people can take it for what it is. If they get something from it, great. If they don't, they don't. 
And I just love the idea of her writing that book during a pandemic where like, you know, all shit's going down around you. Your kids are probably yelling, screaming at each other. You're trying to homeschool them. And you're like, actually, I'm going to carve out this time when I needed the most. And it seems almost just like cathartic. Like I love the idea of like, this is what I need to do right now. Well, yeah. I mean, it was totally when she's talking about the story of her dog, right? And Mm -hmm. how the dog waits. And it, well, one, what an obedient dog. So my dog would like wait for nobody. But sitting at the door waiting, she opens the door. She allowed, the dog will go on the porch with her. And it was the moment his or hers, I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, feet touched the grass. And she said he ran like he was meant to. And there were so many things. One, like it's okay to need help to get where you're supposed to be and run like you're meant to. And I, she said that, and I literally, I think I didn't say it. I was just like, how am I supposed to run? Like, mm-hmm. what, what am I meant to do? And I think there was a lot of like, for me, I, I think we've never put us as women. I think a lot of times you don't put yourself in the scenario of like, who am I meant to be? It's very much, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I'm supposed to be the one, like for a long time, like I'm the mom. So I'm supposed to be the one that like sacrifices my career for my kids. And I'm the one that's supposed to be tired and exhausted and stressed out. And I'm the one that's supposed to know when all the doctor's appointments are and make the dentist appointments and make sure they have their science project. And that's because I'm the mom because that's what society is telling me I'm supposed to do. Is that what I'm meant to do? No, that is not my strong suit in our family. Like, it's just not like... I am not, though, that's not who I am meant to be. I am meant to be a mother, but I am meant to have a partner that absorbs some of that from me because that's not who I am meant to be. I don't know. It was, like, really powerful, and it was, like, such a great picture of truth. Like, you can see yourself standing there at the door and waiting for someone to say, it's okay. It's okay. Go. Mm -hmm. Like, do what you're supposed to do. Go run. Go. And you're like, I I don't know. Maybe I put my foot on the porch. Come hold my hand. Walk out there with me. So, and I, I heard her say that, and I'm thinking, I want to be that person that holds someone else's hand and mm-hmm. takes them to the grass and says, run. Yeah. Like, learn from my mistakes. Like, let me guide you here. Let me, like, dispel the myth that you have in your head. Because I've lived with that. Right. You know? Right. And I know that there is an actually truth to that. You know, it's just really you holding you back. Right. And people perceive you in a lot of ways, the way that you perceive yourself. So your self-perception is super important to how other people perceive you. How do you think people perceive you? I don't think about it so much anymore, but, well, I think they perceive me as a smart ass, probably, most in part, (laughs) because that's what you say. (laughs) I don't know. Like, sometimes, I mean, sometimes I feel like people perceive me as, like, Dana's little sister, even though I'm, like, Dana's older sister, but I'm, like, like, that Dana's the boss. I think that. I don't, know like if that's really not the but I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the way that I feel sometimes. I don't know. I think people perceive me as messy, and I am messy. I perceive myself as messy. Like, like my life is messy, you know? Like, it's. I'm surprised you didn't say that I thought my book was going to be, life is a windy road. Mm. Yeah. It's a journey. You don't know where it's going to go. And, like, I'm just one to take the bend, you know? Like, eh, let's 180 here. Let's 360 here. Let's go straight in this spot. Eh, let's, like, veer 45 degrees here. I personally think people perceive you as someone who – I don't want to say who doesn't care because that's not that's not what I'm trying to say. Someone who is less guarded, no filter. You yeah. say what you're thinking. You're a real person. 
You're not trying to sugarcoat anything. You're not trying to appease anybody. You're just there because, and you're there and you show up because you, because you care. Because if you didn't truly care, you just, you wouldn't be there. You'd be like, I don't, I don't give two shits about this thing. So I'm not going to go. Yeah. I'm not really about appearances. And that's probably not accurate of what people think because I know you well, but that's how, you know, sometimes I can see how you're perceived. I guess so. Yeah. I don't think about it a whole lot, except for maybe when I'm about to post that stupid thing on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) But other than that. I think about it a lot more than I probably should think about it. I think that about you. Yeah. I am a, which is why part of, I'm more of a wing nine, which for the longest time I thought I was a wing three, which just isn't the truth, but definitely more wing nine because I'm a peacemaker. Yeah. I am definitely the person who wants to like make sure everyone's okay and I haven't offended anybody. I haven't hurt anybody's feelings. So I I don't know what people think about me. I, I think for me, people perceive me as someone who has it all together and I don't have it all together. Like I have a very messy life and, you know, I live a very messy life, but I think people also, I don't sometimes think people think I think I'm more important to myself. Like, so you think that other people think that you think that you're more important. (laughs) You think that I, I I, like self-absorbed almost like what I have to say is so important. Sarah shaking her head quite vigorously. (laughs) (laughs) That what I think is more important than anybody else. And I actually do not think about, I don't think that at all. And in like acquaintance relationships. When it has something to do with my business, certainly I do think my opinion matters more than like my employees. Right. Because it's my business, but in like other aspects of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing like how, what kind of baffles my mind when I think about it is how much credence we give to what our perception is of other people's perceptions and allow that to dictate how we behave. Well, yeah, I think it goes back to a lot of what she said about taking up your space. Like, yeah, because I don't feel like my space is my space. I feel like it's borrowed space, you know, who are you borrowing it from? Like the world, like I'm afraid to fill up my space because I feel like it's going to encroach on somebody else's interesting where I think you need to look at it very much when she's talking about like owning all the pieces of us, like Mm -hmm. because there is a lot of vulnerability and fear with owning your true self. Sometimes like, absolutely. Yeah. I was watching sex in the city just randomly and they're talking about secret single behavior, like things you do when nobody's around. And one of them was talking about how she eats saltines stacked with jelly. One of them was talking about how she stares at her pores in the mirror all night, like just really embarrassing things that you don't Mm -hmm. want your like boyfriend or spouse to ever know that you do. I feel like that's a lot of us in life yeah. is there's things we do not want to admit that we believe that we think or act or things that we do and you want to hide it and you, you don't want to own that part of you because you're afraid of how that's going to be accepted or if it's not even going to be accepted. Yeah. All right. So truth time. What's one of those things? What's your secret single behavior? Oh, that I do? Yeah. Oh, geez. I don't know. I like to sit in the bathroom sink. And like, I like to sit in the sink <laughs> and like pluck my eyebrows. Although I have, but although I have like a magnifying mirror that's easier to sit in my like chair, mm-hmm. I like to sit in the sink. The first time I did it, Sam was like, what are you doing? This must be genetic. I too sit in the sink on occasion and pluck my eyebrows. And I don't recall ever seeing my mother do this. Never. And my mother's your mother. But I feel very nervous actually getting down off the sink. I don't feel that way. 
Well, it's probably like the less of a fall for you. You're so big and tall. Like your leg just hits the floor. Some of us, it doesn't happen. What's your secret single behavior? Secret single. Well, so this is my secret alone behavior. Alone at the house. Like nobody else is there. I will do naked yoga. I will turn up the heat and I will do yoga completely naked. It's very, very freeing because I feel like clothes are very constricting. Like I don't like the way that clothes feel ever. I like to not feel restricted. Okay. I'm going to live by myself. You, I guess. Oh my goodness. All right. We have gone down a rabbit trail. Yes, we have. Getting back to some of our thoughts from that episode. Well, I really loved when she started talking about fear. One, I loved her talking about having a conversation with fear. Mm -hmm. Like I thought that was amazing and just kind of like a light bulb moment. So kind of like I mentioned in the podcast, I kind of did that before, but recognizing that what it was, it wasn't me trying to become more comfortable. It was my fear of what was actually going to happen in that conversation Mm -hmm. and using that skill and that kind of coping mechanism when you're dealing with actual fear. But I, I really, I really loved it. I loved that. And then just taking that fear with you, like just like baggage, like just put it in your purse, Mm -hmm. keep on going, just take it with you and, and keep on. Yeah, I, I feel like, like I said, it kind of reminded me of, especially when I'm blowing the Bradford, I got a lot of inspiration from the quote of life starts at the end of your comfort zone because there was lots of really super uncomfortable spots when we first started building the Bradford where we're like, oh my God, we're going to fail. It's never going to be good enough. It's not going to be perfect enough. We're not going to have enough money. We're not going to be able to do this. You know, it's going to end our relationship. You know, all of those things were like things that I told myself or feared when building the Bradford and it was like super uncomfortable. And for us in our life, I mean, I know we're making a big move. And I just think when you're making big moves and you're doing big things that there is fear because it's not comfortable because it's different and it's something new. And I think that instead of looking at fear as a negative thing, maybe it should be an indicator that you are on the right path like that, you know, unless you're like in a horror film, because then you should use your fear. Like you ever watch those movies and you're like, why in that situation would you go into the garage where there's like no window you should use fear then but in your everyday life decisions like maybe fear is an indicator that you're doing something big and life-changing i agree with that yeah i think that is true because i feel like there's a difference between like fear of your person like your safety right and fear of just being uncomfortable right i guess we're talking about like an uncomfortable fear not like i'm about to die right 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 then you should listen to that yeah yeah no but i mean i like the thing that I, I feared the most with the Bradford was was genuinely failing, was yeah. losing everything. Because we, we were born with a silver spoon in our mouth and we weren't like given family money to build this thing. Like everything we owned, I mean, it was selling stocks. Cashing out retirements. Yeah, doing all the things to build the Bradford, maxing out credit cards, all that stuff, you know. And if it failed, our whole financial security was gone. And at the time I was 29. So like, it's not like I wouldn't have time to rebuild my financial future. But in the moment, I was so afraid of it. And a lot of it was guilt, putting my family through it. And was it for nothing? But that was my genuine fear. I don't know if I ever got over it. I think I just swallowed it, pushed it down and then said, well, it's gonna have to succeed. I think I I didn't necessarily I felt like it was gonna succeed. Like I like, I feel like we were cautious enough, like, even though it just doesn't sound cautious, it was super cautious 
And I thought we were going to succeed, but I always felt like it wasn't going to be good enough for me. Like it wasn't going to live up to my expectation and the effort that was put into it. But it didn't until last year. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. So like it really didn't. Like I didn't even like planning weddings at our venue. Oh, I hated it. I hated it because something would Stupid. undoubtedly not be perfect. So there was that. And I don't know, just trusting the process. I mean, our process wasn't overnight. And I'm not even saying that it's perfect right now, but it's better than I thought it would ever be. Even when we were talking in 2013 and had all the hopes in the world that it's turned out like the kind of windy road that it's taken has turned out so much better than I could have ever expected, which really taught me to not listen to those fears and those self-doubts and to trust a little bit of the universe and the path that I'm on, that we're on as a business, that it's going to take us to where we need to be. I think there has to be a little bit of like trust and letting go. And I'm thankful for that now. Right. I mean, it's kind of, so when the bank came back and said, hey, actually, we're not going to give you this loan. Like maybe this is a bad idea, but you were already in it. So it was like, whether it's a bad idea or not, I have to suck it up and deal with it. But it kind of reminded me of what you talked about, like when to listen, when you're, when you're gathering, I loved how she said it, when you're gathering knowledge and you're trying to do the research more. And then the difference between when you're actually trying to seek answers and Mm -hmm. advice. Differentiating Um, between the two. Yeah. Cause I think that's really true. Like, I feel like it is one of those and it was a, we talked about it was a skill that it took a while, but that was one of those times when that was like a gathering information stage. Like there was no, I wasn't going to listen to what you were saying. Like, this isn't going to be successful. You, you know, were you're not going to be successful as for us to even consider getting you a loan. And it was more very much like, okay, well, we're just going to go to a different bank. Obviously you're not the bank for us. Right. Yeah. Which we did for citizens. Use them for your small business. It's right. a plug. So we love them. So kind of like rounding this out, like my most favorite thing that she said in like the whole podcast, honestly, and it kind of sums up how I feel about entrepreneurship in general, and I hope she doesn't like trademark it because maybe we could use it for a tagline, is that she couldn't (laughs) have thought ever that she would be having the time of her life and feel like she was in over her head at the same time. Yes, so true. And like I totally resonated with that because – I know Dana says that Courtney got me into this and blah, blah, blah. It was always, not always, for a very long time, it was my dream, my passion, et cetera, to build a venue, build a beautiful space where people could gather, go into business with my sister. It was all about that too. Like it was equally as important to me. And we were totally in over our head. I mean, totally in over our head, but literally like as many ups and downs as it's been, it's like been the time of my life. Like literally it's been the time of my life such that up until even just recently, I felt like I could dream beyond what it is, Mm -hmm. right? Like I was so enveloped in what it was and living out this dream, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That I didn't have room for other ones. Right. And I just, it resonated with me so much that it's literally been the time of my life and we've literally been in over our head on multiple occasions. How are we going to get our shit together? How are we going to get out of this? Like, wouldn't change it for the world. I totally agree with that. Like, there, the past, like, five years have brought so much joy. There's been a lot of heartache. There's been a lot of hard things. But there's been so much joy. I mean, just even the desires of our kids growing up together, mm-hmm. like, that, you know. I used to say every time, like, you didn't know it was morning until you heard Liam in the morning when we lived next door. Yeah. None of our doors locked. So, like, at any given time, like, a kid would go over to each other's houses. And, like, there was a lot of joy and a lot of happiness with that, you know. 
That was really wonderful. And then I feel like too, it's falling into like who I, who I feel like I should be, mm-hmm. you know, and just the amount of relationships with people in the industry, people outside of the industry, like all the amazing things we've got to do, like the travel we've been able to go and speak places. Yeah. And it's just been like surreal. Yeah. All at the same time. And, you know, and then you come home and you have to deal with, you know, angry clients and yeah. you're like, oh, how am I going to do this? How are going to do this for another year? Yeah. So I totally, I love that. Didn't know you could have the time of your life and be in over your head at the same time. Yes. Like favorite, favorite line. I so. know. So well, thank you so much. I, I mean, like permission granted. Totally. Bethany, yeah. great job. I, I highly recommend episode. the book. It is great. It's it's more of a workbook style. So it's like a poem and then there's questions and things for you to digest and think through. And I totally love the fact that she was like, it's not day one, day two, day three, because that gives me anxiety and stresses me out because if I miss a day, I feel like I have to do two days in a row. But I literally just whatever I'm feeling like uninspired or like need that little pick me up, I'll pick up the book and I'll like, okay, what am I, what's stressing me out right now? What do I need to like dissect in my life? Or I feel like I should look at and I'll go to that section and work through it and talk about it. And it normally takes a couple days for me to really like get through it, but highly recommend it. Check it out. learn more about our hustles visit cndevents.com the bradfordnc.com and hustleandgather.com or follow us on instagram at cndevents at the bradfordnc and at hustleandgather and if you like this show be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review this podcast is a production of earfluence i'm courtney and i'm dana and we'll talk to you next time on hustle and gather